Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Permissionless Podcast, where we celebrate and explore journeys into the unknown with badass individuals, creatives, businesswomen and businessmen, and artists. I'm your host, Selena Vidya, and for this episode, I am joined by Michael King, who is the perfect mix of a technologist, businessman, artist, and creative. We're going to talk a little bit how he got started in hip-hop, bypass gatekeepers, and put himself on tour. What exactly is inspiration versus copying? How to hustle and build your own brand even when you're with a company? Redefining and discussing what mentors are and who mentors are to him? And what it's like to build and manage multiple personas that all work with your personal brand? This episode is jam-packed with awesome information. I know you guys are going to love it. So without further ado, let's roll right into it. Hi, welcome to Permissionless. I'm Selena Vidya, and today I have an amazing guest and an even more amazing human with me. Oh, you <laughs> Oh, no, he hasn't gotten here yet. Uh, <laughs> Michael King is an artist and technologist all rolled into one. He's the founder of a boutique marketing agency called iPolRank, a dynamic international speaker, and consults with clients from all over the world, including brands like SAP and MX, along with startups and small businesses. Mike also has a background as an independent hip-hop musician and recently purchased undergroundhiphop.com, which we'll talk about later on. That is a ton of stuff, my friend. Wow. I, now i got to live up to all that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some time. All right. Um, so your, your journey just in general between the creative side of your life and business is really fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the places I want to start is just your journey on the hip-hop side of things um, when you were younger. Sure. Um... I mean, I went to school for computer science because um, that's one of the things that I always wanted to do, like be a programmer, make video games and things like that. But the school I went to, and you know, it's, it's a great school, Howard University, but at the time the computer science program wasn't uh, you know, advanced enough for me because I was self-taught. I pretty much knew all the stuff that we were learning aside from like the math stuff. And I was like, uh, I can, you know, I can, go to school anytime. I can only be a rapper so I'm like 40, right? So I was like, I'm going to go rap. Mm-hmm. And so I started putting out <clears throat> my own records. I put out um, a 12 inch in 2003 called Ahead of My Time. And it did well. I sold a bunch of copies in Japan. And like, nice. I started doing shows and uh, doing tours. And then, you know, that just continued over the years. And, you know, to your point of permissionless, um, I mean, obviously, this is what this is called, but for a long time, I was just going out and doing things, and because like people just weren't allowing me to, so mm-hmm. like, you know, I couldn't get a uh, an agent so I could do uh, tours and things. So, me and my friends, we would like counterfeit Greyhound bus passes and go on tour, because people would either pay us for the show or they would pay us for uh, the transportation. I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't live that way, right? So. We made these bootleg uh, bus passes and we just go on tour and that lasted for like 10 months until I got caught in Sacramento, which is literally the farthest place in America from Philadelphia, where Mm -hmm. I'm from. And uh, we got caught there and that ended that. But by the time that 10 months had passed, I'd done enough shows that I was able to like get more shows and people would pay me for travel and stuff like that. So bottom line is, you know, I kind of just... Uh, ran with it until it got to a point where it was self-sustaining and Mm -hmm. you know we would go overseas I put out more records I got signed to a subsidiary of Sony like the indie version or whatever and I was putting out records through that and I kept going that whole time until 2006 where I got into a bike accident 
and I needed to wait bicycle or yeah, motorcycle as cool as a motorcycle, <laughs> okay like, uh, pedal bike and I didn't have health insurance because there was no Obamacare then and I was a rapper and so I got a job and the first place to hire me was an SEO agency mm -hmm. because of my computer science background so um, you know I, I had an amazing time as a rapper that was like eight years of that's all I did every day like I woke up and I was like, okay, I'm gonna write a verse today, and then I'm gonna send out a bunch of emails, try to get shows, um, you know, try to figure out my next record. You know, mm -hmm. it was very much a hustle, very much a grind every day, and you know, it's only a career if you keep that ball in the air, right? Because you know, you can't pay your bills <clears throat> if you take a few weeks off, and then you know, you've lost that momentum in getting shows. Mm -hmm. So it's always like a constant hustle. Yeah, and I love that too because in the entertainment industry, especially no matter what area you're in, mm -hmm. there's a lot of gatekeepers. Sure. And the fact that back in the day during that time, you were able to not wait for permission from gatekeepers, you were able to bypass them and just kind of get your footing on your own sure. is awesome. And I think that that's tied into just how you've lived your life up until now. Yeah, I agree. Like I, I've, I've never understood... Um, People that are like, I want to do this thing one day, or you know, if, if if someone gives me this, I'll be able to do that. For me, I'm just like, all right, let's figure out how to do it and do mm -hmm. it. Like that's just it, you know. There's, you know, I have dreams. We all have dreams, um, but at the same time, my dreams are like, there's like a series of steps in my head. Like, okay, I have to do this, then I have to do this. There's never like, if someone allows me to do something, I'll be that. It's just like, no, I need to do it, mm -hmm. so let's do it. Yeah, it takes a very methodical approach to achieving dreams. Sure. That's just the simplicity sure. of it. Okay. <laughs> so after your accident and when you went to the SEO world, mm -hmm. um, what was that transition like? Because it must have been just really <laughs> difficult to go into kind of a workforce yeah. situation. And Yeah, and you know, I mean, it, it's akin to having your own business and then getting a boss, right? Because like for eight years, that, you know, that's what I was doing. Like, like I said, I completely dictated my life. I did whatever I wanted all the time. And so essentially I would keep those jobs until someone pissed me off and I just go back on tour. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until, I don't know, like three or four years into me doing SEO that I was like, I want to try this as a career. It was really just like, all right, I'm gonna get some money until I can go on my next tour. Mm -hmm. Or I'm gonna get some money, use it to put out a new record, like that type of thing. You know, I had a lot of friends that did illegal things to make money to support what they did. And it was always funny because, like, I was the one that would go get a job. None of them understood what I did. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they were like, okay, well, cool. That sounds pretty awesome. You got a lot of flexibility. You can work from home, which would mean, like, I would be on tour and then send some emails <laughs> with some work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was actually really difficult, especially because there are things that, fly in the business world that just simply don't fly in the artistic world, especially mm -hmm. in like the hip hop world. So, and I still struggle with this when like people will take, you know, something they learn from a post of mine and like, ex not extrapolate from it, but basically reword what I've written in a post mm -hmm. and act like it was there. Like that's biting to me. Like I, it, it infuriates me, you know, I can't deal with that. I just recognize that copying people or copying each other it's something that's accepted in the in the business world but for mm -hmm. me i still struggle with that being okay you know yeah so and there's definitely been instances where people have said things to me that i'm just like you know 
like there was there was actually a situation where um, when I worked at an ad agency, there was this creative director that she was like standard asshole creative director, mm -hmm. you know, who wishes they were Don Draper, who was like arguing with me about something in a very heated way. And I said to him, I was like, look, let's both of us go outside. Whoever comes back, that idea wins. <laughs> and, he, and he saw that like I was, I was serious, right? Mm -hmm. He was like, you know, Mike, I didn't mean to upset you. But like there have been other situations where people have said things to me and I've really had to bite my tongue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been very, that, that was initially very difficult for me when I transitioned into this, like, full time. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've gotten more used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, going back to your point about, you know, in business, it's okay to kind of, quote unquote, copy, and people do that. Whereas mm -hmm. in the artistic world, um, like everybody kind of copies in a way, but it comes out with something more original. Sure. Yeah, and I, I mean, inspiration is fine, but like... Yeah just copying something, mm -hmm. it, just like in rap, like if, if someone comes out saying your lines, and I mean, that's a little more accepted at this point in rap too, but like, the way I was raised is like, if you bite somebody's lines, like, you can get in a fight for that. Like, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, it, that's just something ingrained in me from like an artistic standpoint that it's hard for me to let go of. Yeah. And I think there's something to say about cutting your teeth and just getting in there and doing it to get to the point of the things that you're writing and sharing that mm -hmm. people just aren't aren't getting to. Sure, sure. So you went through a couple of jobs in a couple of different places, mm -hmm. um, and then SEO really started to sink in as something you wanted for your career. So at what point, that was about four jobs in, I think you said? Uh, that, no, that was my third SEO job. Okay. And I felt that way. Yeah, so... I mean, what it came down to is, like, I was working at Razorfish, mm -hmm. and, you know, a pretty prestigious agency, and I, I really enjoyed it, and, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to stick with this, but I was only a contractor at Razorfish, so I was only doing, like, 24 hours a week, and so what I would do is I would be like, okay, well, have me come in on Tuesday through Thursday, mm -hmm. so I can have extended weekends, and I can go do shows or whatever, but... So I was a contractor, and they just kept extending my contract rather than hiring me full-time. And I was like, yo, I, I want to work here. And I was, like, working super hard, staying late outside of the hour allocation that they gave me, mm -hmm. like, essentially for free. And, you know, I was building software for them. And so they just kept extending the contract. And I was like, all right, well, this doesn't really make sense. So I, I went to another publicist agency, and, and I was like, I'm going to go to another publicist agency, get an offer, bring it back, and then raise a fish will have to hire me mm -hmm. and so I did that and uh you know I got the job and they were like we still don't have the headcount to hire you and I was like all right well I'm taking my talents to New York and so I went to an agency called Publicist Modem and that was around the same time that I realized um you know that I wanted to get involved in thought leadership mm -hmm. so there's another strange connection between my rap world and my SEO world my friend, one of my best friends, uh, his name is Daniel Music. He, he and I like toured the world together, rapping and all that. And one day, this is like after I was at Razorfish, I think we were on a train in Sweden. He was like, Mike, I know you're doing this SEO thing. Um, my cousin, he owns this software company in C Seattle. I'm like, who's your cousin? He was like, Rand Fishkin. Really? Yeah. So, so my best friend is Rand's cousin. And, you know, that, that just made me be like, okay, well, I'm going to reach out to the guy and be like, hey, you know, we have somebody in common. And so, you know, Rand and I traded emails, then we met, and when 
Maz did a uh, meetup in New York. And, you know, we, we just like, we met and then I started writing uh, for them. <clears throat> and my posts were doing really well. Then I went to MozCon. And MozCon is another good example. So I was telling my boss, or I was trying to get posts modem to send me, they wouldn't do it. And I was like, all right, well, I'll pay for it myself. And I went out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really solidified a lot of things. Cause I met a lot of people. Um, I said to Rand, I was like, y'all want to be involved. And so that's how I became like a Moz associate. Um, actually had interviewed there shortly after that as well. So it really kind of just put everything in motion. You know, me being in New York, me um, getting involved in thought leadership, mm -hmm. and you know, me then going out to Moz and then um, ended up, oh, at MozCon, uh, me and John Doherty were sitting there like the last day or something, pretty hungover, and we were watching a speaker. I think it might have even been Will Reynolds. And I was like, I can do this. <laughs> and so I pitched for SMX East, like right then, like while me and John were both hung over it. He was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm like, no, I'm doing it right now. And so I got it. Nice. And then, you know, I spoke. It went really well. And then some people saw me speak at that. And then, you know, I just started getting invited to things. Mm -hmm. And so it just snowballed from there. Yeah. And I love... Um... I love the fact that you just kind of took everything in your own hands and you're like, okay, I want to do this. I don't have a way to do that with you, so I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. And uh, it's funny that you bring up John because when we were talking about, and we were on permissionless talking, he had said that he went to a conference in the same manner. He couldn't, uh, he wasn't able to go, so he just took himself. Mm -hmm. And that was a stepping stone to his next job, which he ended up staying in a while. Yeah. So I just love once you're in motion, it just keeps going and going exactly. and going. Exactly. Um yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, it's a perfect alignment here where uh, so I asked for permission for something, mm -hmm. they wouldn't let me do it, and then I just did it myself, and it worked out for me. It's kind of funny because once um, <laughs> that happened and I started speaking and stuff, I stopped asking. I would just do things and expense mm -hmm. it. So, like, I got invited to speak at SMX Israel. I didn't ask anybody. And at that point, my boss had quit, and I didn't really have a boss. So I just went to Israel, <laughs> and then I came back and expensed the ticket, and it worked. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, don't ask permission, ask forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite phrase ever. Word. So as far as mentors, when you were going through this, mm -hmm. um, so you had a background in computer science, and then you jumped in and were learning the SEO side. Mm -hmm. Did you have anybody who you felt really took you under their wing during this process, or was it just a lot of self-learning and discovery in was, the marketing side? It was a lot side? of self-learning. Like, I think I'm a weird person to try and mentor because I'm so like headstrong and so I'm just going to do this. Mm -hmm. So I don't think anyone would admit that like they're my mentor, but there are definitely several people throughout that time where I was like kind of leaning on them to get better understanding. So um, my my boss at Publicist Modem, um, he wasn't there for a long time, but like he's, he's probably the, the best example of someone who was like a mentor to me who like uh, understood how I work mm -hmm. and, and enough that you know they could establish that respect and rapport and be able to be like Mike you're wrong about this think about this this way mm -hmm. um, his name is Tony Effick he went from modem to another agency called RGA which they do a lot of great work and now I think he's at um, NBC Universal or something like that but anyway um, 
he was somebody who could really challenge me and, and expand the way I was thinking about things. Because at that point, I was literally just an SEO. Like, I didn't really even understand bigger picture marketing. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, why, why are you not thinking about the people that are searching and what it is that they do? And you know, like, you know, from the stuff I talk about, that's huge in everything I talk about. So he really helped me broaden my understanding and then, like, kind of led me to want to learn more about marketing in general and um, kind of pushed me towards wanting to just expand my knowledge like way farther um, in the technical side and all mm -hmm. that because you know I was already very technical but I was happy with my skill set now once once Tony kind of like uh, pushed me it's just like you know oh okay let's figure out how this fits in and this fits in and like in a very short time just from that initial push, he was like really surprised to see the type of stuff I would come up with. Um, so I, I would definitely say him. Um, I, I look at Rand as kind of a mentor. You know, he, he definitely gave me some direction at key points, uh, but he definitely wouldn't say like, like he's my mentor. Mm -hmm. he, you know, we're really good friends at this point. Um, there's another guy who's, sadly, his name is escaping me right now. He's in Philly. Super smart guy. Why can I not think of his name right now? But yeah, he, he definitely kind of took me under his wing uh, for a bit. It was pretty short. Brian Cosgrove. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah he, yeah, he took me under his wing for a short time. Because like I said, I was at Razorfish. He was at Razorfish before me. And, um, you know, I met him at an event. And we just like immediately clicked. And he was just giving me a lot of pointers on things I could be doing. And ultimately, I think he actually put in a good word for me with SMX when I pitched. And he was probably part of why I got that first um, speaking gig. So yeah, those are the three I'd say. Yeah, and I think um, for anybody listening, the interesting thing about what Mike said is, when you think of a mentor, um, you know, you think of somebody who sits you down and teaches you stuff, but if you look around you, you might have mentors and you don't realize it. Mm -hmm. If there's somebody who's kind of challenging you in a way and making you think of things differently, they could be a mentor even though they don't seem like it. Sure. So cultivate everything that's around you because you never know where you're going to learn. Okay, so back to the job side of things. At some point in your career, you decided to just start your own agency. What was the, the process there and what made you decide to do that and challenges and all that good stuff? Yeah, honestly, it, it came out of me working at, you know, what, four or five agencies and just not really agreeing with a lot of was happening and I felt like I knew enough to be able to do it better myself and you know it came to a point um, after the, the last couple I was just like this is stupid uh, I have enough money in the bank that if you know after six months this doesn't work I won't be kicked out of my apartment so I was like let's just do it mm -hmm. and so that's what I did um, and you know, luckily a couple clients just like dropped in my lap right away. And you know, I had a, a, a network of people that had some free time that were great at what they did. And you know, it just helped me build it up to a point where I was like, oh, I should probably hire some people <laughs> full time. And the snowball just has kept rolling from there. Nice. Yeah. So as far as, and this takes us a little bit towards the underground hip hop 
agentsmarketing.com side of things. So you're building up your agency, you're speaking, you have a lot of stuff going on, and then you decide that this is something you want to do. Um, what kind of led to that and how has it been to kind of juggle everything all together? Yeah, I mean, to the juggling point, um, I can't imagine how Elon Musk does it. Right. Because like, you know, I, I have an agency and an e-commerce site. This dude is trying to colonize Mars and make electric cars cool. And neural networks, right. everything that All he's doing. All kinds of crazy stuff he's, he's got going on. So yeah, because like I said, the two things I do, way easier and it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so why, the reason why, you know, I kind of ended last year like thinking I either wanted to start or buy an e-commerce site or a media site or something like that. And with undergroundhiphop.com, they were actually about to go out of business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they had actually gotten hit by Panda and I say hit, they got hit by Panda. <laughs> in uh, 2012 and they didn't know anything about SEO. They never really recovered. And 2012 was actually their best revenue year. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, what happened, you know? So um, they were about to close their doors and I reached out to Adam, the, the founder and previous owner. And I was like, you know, this is something I can help out with. Like, uh, is it for sale? And he was like, oh yeah, of course. And so we worked it out and, you know, um, me, my friend Dan, that I mentioned before, mm -hmm. Rand's cousin, and my other friend Aaron, we went in on this as like a partnership. Um, I'm the majority owner, so, you know, I basically run the whole thing and, you know, they add on where they see fit. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's like bringing it full circle. So, you know, that's where I started and it's a world I know very well. Um, and I can also combine it with the, the marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's a great opportunity, you know, to kind of use what I know to revitalize that space in a way. Like underground hip hop has changed pretty dramatically insofar as it it doesn't really mean what it used to, right? Like underground hip hop to a lot of people used to mean a sound. But now with the internet so prevalent, you know, anybody puts a record out and they have the opportunity to become like Chance the Rapper, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Or Macklemore, who coincidentally opened for me. Anyway. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's, it's mad funny how small the world is. Um, so, so it, the world is, that world has changed dramatically, but it hasn't really kept up with technology and things like that. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to turn it into more of a platform than just a store. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it aligns with what my, uh, goals were going into this year of like having another entity that I can like play with and have a lot of fun with. Mm -hmm. And so we've talked about this many times before, but you had said it come, it came around full circle, mm -hmm. um, you know, to the music side of things. And when you were going into the agency world, did you feel like you had to kind of split your persona a little bit or that you had to leave a piece of yourself behind? Like, how did you manage to keep your personal brand together? Um, going through all of those changes. Yeah, and immediately, you know, I felt like I needed another brand mm -hmm. for this, and that's where Apple Rank came from, you know, like, because um, my rap name was Icon the Mike King, but now it's just Mike King, because it's way cooler, and I'm too old to sound like a superhero. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, I had all that in my social presence, like, there's there are profiles for all that stuff, and it didn't, it didn't, feel appropriate 
to have that be the persona that I use for business. And so, you know, sitting there at Razorfish, like my first day, I was like, okay, I need a cool name um, for my SEO stuff. And I'm really in a double entendre. So I was like, oh, I pull rank, perfect, you know? And it fits my personality, because I pull rank. Um, so that allowed me to inadvertently have a, another or create another persona for this stuff. Um, and it, it wasn't so much that it's like inauthentic or anything like that, but it's a different filter, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like there are things that if I said them in the rap world, they would be fine. But if I said them in the business context, someone would definitely get like offended, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it was definitely a situation where I, I had to like, you know, not say things here and not say things here. But I think over time, it's, it's become a lot more authentic to who I am. Like, um, I, I feel like the more successful I've gotten, the more I'm allowed the latitude to be my more authentic self. But at the same time, if you watch like earlier videos of me speaking, I look like a rapper who knows a bit about marketing. Mm -hmm. Now I look like a marketing guy that can rap. You mm -hmm. know? So it's it's part of an evolution i guess too yeah and you had mentioned um at some point before not in the interview but just when we were talking mm -hmm. uh that you know your artist background has really helped on the speaking side and kind of infusing yourself with that would you say that that's helped in business as well now absolutely um i mean there there's a certain the word uh someone used to describe me was irreverent and there's a certain amount of irreverence that allows me to not be um, as hindered by things as other people are. So, you know, I walk into a situation and people will be like, oh, don't say that. I'll say that, you know, because mm -hmm. like, that's just how I feel. And that authenticity, it, it creates a very visceral reaction either in the, the good way or the bad way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what that does for me, though, is makes us all work with people that like the authentic me. So um, to the point of you know the speaking side of it, I mean the showmanship that I brought to performing as a musician, it just allows me to be more interesting as a speaker, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I've done things at conferences that people are just like, whoa, like what? You know, like there was the one time I came out basically dressed as Don Draper with the kinetic typography video behind me while I rapped over the Madman <laughs> beat. Like people were just like, what just happened? You know, so. Um, especially then that being like early in the speaking career it definitely set me apart it definitely made me somebody that was sought after um, you know just anything unique in a boring field is mm -hmm. going to be interesting so yeah it's it's helped me a lot yeah so you've had a lot of success and a lot of changes over your career whether it was being an artist or on the marketing side mm -hmm. a lot of people ask what failures make you mm -hmm. but I really want to know what would you attribute what specific successes and things that you've practiced have attributed to your success now? Hmm. That is a question I probably should have thought more about. <laughs> <laughs> On the spot, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to say, and I don't say this like, oh, I have so many successes, it's crazy. Um, but it, it's hard to say. It seems like every success builds on the last. Mm -hmm. And I've had a series of success successes as just a marketer in general. That have kind of catapulted me you know there was one time I wrote a blog post that 
landed us American Express. You know, I, I felt like that was a huge success. Um, I, the success and the failures of starting an agency, you know, I, I feel as though I grow pretty dramatically with each one of those. Like, I don't have a problem with failure. Um, as long as I learn something from it, I'm happy with it. And, you know, there are hiring decisions I've made that have been bad, that have just made me better at hiring. Um, there are clients I've taken on that have been bad, that have made me better at picking clients. So every failure has set us up for a pretty big success. Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and we signed Granger Industrial Supply, which is, you know, a huge internet retailer, like 11 on the list. And that was, that was over a year into the agency, but that's when I was like, you know what, this thing is going to last, it's going to work. And... I really know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because like you, you, you have all these things that you've you've achieved in these frameworks of other people's businesses, or these frameworks of these conferences, or you know, like where it's not everything that went into this was you. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you feel like you can accomplish things, but until you have that one like landmark thing that you've done, you're kind of like. Is this gonna keep working? You know, and for me, Granger was like, "Oh, I run a real business now." Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, so. it it kind of shines the light um, where you don't feel as if you're quote unquote getting help in a way from mm -hmm. things, and then as soon as you get that one, you're like, "Okay, I'm actually doing this now. Yeah. Like, this is all me, and I'm ready to go." Exactly, exactly. So, what, as far as a day? Or even a week, because I know from day to day it probably ranges dramatically. But what does a week look like for you in between all the traveling and running the agency and family and all of that stuff? Uh, it's kind of like riding a roller coaster while being set on fire. Are your hands up though? <laughs> always, <laughs> always gotta put my hands up. I'm a rapper. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it there there's no routine really. I mean, there's the routine of like getting up, going. What I do on a day-to-day -day is always very different because mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is like sales-related. Um, it could be operations things like you know paying the bills, making the calls, um, making sure that we're getting paid, and it can then be like client work. Excuse me. It can be project management. You know, there's just a lot going on at any given time because we're a small team. You know, it's 14 or well, 15, including me. And um, I just have to fill in the blanks on whatever, you know, if someone else can't do something, like they don't have the bandwidth, like whatever it is, aside from design, like I can do everything we do. Mm -hmm. So um, I jump in as needed and it just makes my days very different. Um, but yeah, to the point of like family and travel, you know, I try to make as much time as possible, but I'm constantly working. Like if you don't see me, I'm probably working, mm -hmm. right? Like even when I'm traveling, you know, I, I used to be that I would attend the entire conference for like to learn things or for networking purposes. At this point, it's like I show up half hour before I go on. And then, you know, if there are people to network with, I'll hang around until that's done. But otherwise, I'm, I'm out. Mm -hmm. I got stuff to do. And I got a lot of responsibility. But yeah, the weekends, it's, it's really Saturday is the only day where I don't work and that's that's become like a more recent thing um i just refuse to work like i'm gonna play with my daughter i'm gonna hang out with my girl like that's that's just it mm -hmm. um but any other day of the week i'm working 
And do you have, so if you get stuck in a rut, do you have anything that you like to do, like a ritual or just someplace you go to clear your head? Uh, I like to play ball or I'll just like blast music. Uh, one, of, one of the things with me is like I'm always thinking of stuff. Like my mind is always like analyzing whatever's going on around me or, you know, um, just any type of possibility at all times. And so there are very few instances where my mind is completely clear. Mm -hmm. One of which is when I'm driving a fast car as fast <laughs> as it can go. Uh, or like doing some other like intense activity where I just can't really pay attention to my thoughts. Basketball mm -hmm. is one of those things as well. Um, so yeah, that's always really helpful. Like whatever type of thing like that that I can do uh, that's like close to the house or something like that, I try and do that. Yeah, and so with those things, basketball, driving, um, fast cars, and all of the work that you do, is there a through line? Is there something that is just a constant undercurrent in everything that you do and that kind of drives your decision as to whether you do it or not? Uh, I just like my life to be awesome and to do dope shit. <laughs> That's a perfect through line. I love it. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I, you know, I just want to leave a mark on the world and do it creatively. And, um, you know, I, I want to have a very passionate life where I'm excited to get up in the morning every mm -hmm. day. And I don't want to feel like at any point there is something I want to do and then not do it. Um, so, you know, every everything, everything I do is just driven by a passion to do something interesting and be really good at it. Mm -hmm. I guess that's it. <laughs> okay. So now I have something that's considered a speed round. Okay. Hit me. So ready to go. Okay. Which of these do you feel, one, got you to where you are now, and two, what do you want to build upon? Okay. So the four words are boldness, mm -hmm. adaptability, mm -hmm. fearlessness, mm -hmm. and confidence. I mean, did you just describe me? Because all those things <laughs> You're are all me. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say... I would say confidence is the main one, but literally all four of those things are me. Um, if there, are, if there's anything there that I would want to work on more, it would be adaptability. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I'm not adaptable. I think I'm very adaptable. But you know, I think there are things that I wish I was more adept at being adaptable to. Um, I don't have a lot of patience. Mm -hmm. like, um, with with certain people, I can be very patient, but. Generally speaking, I don't have patience for like bullshit or stupidity, and uh, those things are prevalent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they really are, especially in today's world. <laughs> yeah. So, what is your favorite book or podcast, or both? Uh, aside from Permissionless, I don't really listen to podcasts. <laughs> I like your answer. We can just <laughs> stop right there. Just stop right there. <laughs> but books, um, I don't. I was I was talking to my friend Jeff just yesterday about books. I love books so much. Like I feel like anytime I walk by a Barnes and Noble, I have to like fight the urge to not go in and buy more books. Cause I feel like books are me upgrading my operating system. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, I just want to know, you know how like little kids are like, I want to know everything. I still feel that way. You know, I, I, I want to know as much as I can about everything I care about. Mm -hmm. And even, you know, some things I don't care about so I can have better conversations. Um, so 
to answer that, it's very difficult for me to give you one book. I can tell you what I'm reading right now. Sure. Um, I'm reading this book called Solve for Happy by a gentleman from uh, Google. And it's, it's, it's like a self-help book that's talking about achieving happiness and things like that. But it's from like an engineer's perspective. So he oh, has okay. like this, this algorithm that he built for happiness. It's mm -hmm. really interesting. And then, this is not to say that I'm not happy. I just think it's a really fascinating book. Um, so yeah, that one, uh, oh, there's another Google book called Work Rules, mm -hmm. and it's by Laszlo Bach, he was their, um, head of, like, HR or whatever, and he basically wrote about how Google works, like, um, from an operational perspective, and that one's really interesting for, you know, how you can improve your organization and things like that, because I, I find it very fascinating to see how companies that big are able to actually do good shit. Because mm -hmm. there's, there's so many big um, organizations that don't. So what is it that makes companies like Google actually work? Mm -hmm. So um, pretty much every book about, well not every, I've read like three books about Google and how it works and it's just really cool. Yeah. Are you, do you listen to audiobooks at all or do you just like the paper physical books? I like the physical books and, you know, I keep threatening to get into audiobooks because it makes sense, right? Like I'm always moving around. It's like, tough though to listen to them. I can't pay attention yeah, to them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I'm, I don't think it's going to work, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. Yeah. Um, I, I really like physical books. Like even on my iPad, I'll forget that I'm reading a book if it's in there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I prefer physical books. Nice. And what are two badass songs that get you pumped up? Uh, there's a song called You Don't Know by um, Jay-Z. I listen to that before I do a pitch. And in the, in the song, he's like, he's just talking about how he built his empire. He's like, one million, two million, three million, four. Like, I get so hyped when he does that. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about to walk up in there and, and, <laughs> and kill this. Um, that's one. I feel like I should give another artist, because I can give you several Jay-Z songs. Um, I like, uh, Power by Kanye West, too. That one's another one that gets me amped. Awesome. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening, so those books are going to be in the show notes, and also the songs are going to be added to the Permissionless playlist, so you can yeah. go forth and listen afterwards. Mm -hmm. And who is somebody that you feel truly lives permissionless and somebody that you might want to see interviewed? Chris Lee. Chris Lee? Yeah, I love Chris Lee. Chris Lee, he uh, actually used to work at Sierra Interactive. Mm -hmm. He worked at Conductor, now he works at Google. Um, you know, he he just does really cool stuff with his life. And, you know, he seems like a guy who, um, you know, he's very passionate about everything he does. He also makes music. He's mm -hmm. a developer. Um, but he works in marketing at Google. And every time I see him, I'm like, yo, so what you been up to? He's like, oh, you know, just went to London for two weeks and, you know, uh, partied every night and rented fast cars and, you know, drove up to... Uh, this this pub three hours away where um, C.S. Lewis and, and uh, J.R.R. Tolkien like had drinks when they were talking about Lord of the Rings and, and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Like he just wow. he just does things that are super cool, and it's like he's just the same type of way. He's just like I want to have an awesome life, and I'm just gonna do dope things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Chris Lee. All right, I'm gonna look them up and, and start stalking. <laughs> now, as far as um, if somebody really wants to take the leap, whether that's in a career to a different industry or just in general, what's a piece of advice and not just do it? 
that you would give them. <laughs> that was literally what I was gonna say. Um, I would say, I would say, make a plan, and you know, make something that's like measurable. You know, like because if you just leap and don't look first, like you may likely fail, right? Yeah. Um, but if you make a plan that you've thought out and you're like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do for you know. X number of days in order to achieve these goals and do that because like so for instance with with music I could I could have just sat around and like waited for somebody to potentially sign me or not sign me or whatever but what I did instead was like I was like okay I'm gonna write a verse every day so then that way I make sure I have a, a cue of music and I'll be able to put out music on a regular basis and I will use the first three hours of every day to reach out to promoters mm -hmm. so I can make sure I get shows and um, you know, every every day, um, I practice freestyling things like that. So I always had like a routine around that, so I could always prepare myself for success, right? So um, if you if you do something by design in that way, and set yourself up to be successful, I suspect you will get what it is that you're trying to do. Yeah, it's kind of like having a method to your madness yeah. and failing smartly. Exactly. Which, um, you know, you can fail stupidly, like you said, you just kind of jump off the cliff and you're not prepared. But if you do everything that you possibly can to set yourself up for success and you fail, then at least you failed in a way where you kind of controlled the failure, like you knew it was coming and you, you were prepared for it. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, the way I feel is like nothing is that hard, right? Like, there are people that start businesses every day. There are people that build rocket ships. There are people who, I don't know, what are some other crazy things that people do? Whatever it is. They they figured it out and they did it like you know what is the same like you have the same 24 hours in the day as beyonce, beyonce. yep yeah, like you could be beyonce if you work that hard <laughs> like you could mm -hmm. so it's nothing nothing is that difficult just like set your goals and come up with a plan and just do it and on that note thank you so much mike for coming on the podcast i know everybody's gonna love listening to you and learn a lot from your journey thanks for having me and uh, even doing it in person was even more special because yeah. I get to look at you the whole entire time. Yeah, cool. And uh, for anybody listening, the show notes are going to have the information and eventually a transcript from this so you can read it and share it and all of that good stuff. I will get back to you guys on the next episode. Bye. Once again, thank you so much for listening in on the Permissionless Podcast. I really appreciate all of you, and I hope that you were able to take away a lot of nuggets. This episode was jam-packed with them, like I said in the beginning. If a friend sent you this podcast episode to listen to, you can find us on iTunes and hit subscribe. If you want to keep up with what we're doing on social, you can find us at various different locations. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to recommend it to a friend and send it on over to them. The more, the merrier, and I will see you for the next episode.